0: oh yes oh sorry Trevor I hit you in the leg with this table can you guys give it up for our cast so I don't know how many of you guys have seen the musical Hamilton there's some there's a very important distinction I have to let you know about We, this was the original idea, this didn't come from Hamilton, Hamilton got it from us, okay? So now that we're clear there, I needed you guys to know that. Hey, my name is Sarah Danes, I said it earlier, I am so excited that you guys are here at camp this week. And the reason, and Mike even said it right before we did the opener, the reason that we switched it up this year is because we truly believe that the most important thing that we could be talking about right now is truth. Right, we live in a culture that tells us we can all define our own versions of truth. Do what's true for you. My truth versus your truth. Live your truth. And yet when we read the word of God, if we open up the word and actually let it breathe out, what do we find? We find that Jesus himself says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through me. And so this week we are combating this idea in love and in grace But combating this idea where we live in a culture where relative truth reigns, meaning something can be true for one person but not the next. And yet when you read the text, Jesus is very clear that he is the truth, right? That no one comes to the Father except through him. And so this week, that is what we are talking about. We believe that it is so crucial and so timely in our culture We believe that it is so important, and that's why Mikey said at the beginning, man, we don't want to just merely entertain you guys with song and dance and lights and wows. We want you guys to understand the words that we are saying from the opener, from stage. This week, you'll be hearing from Chris Hilkin. It is the most important thing we could be talking about right now. So let me pray for us, and we'll get into it. Father God, we come before you tonight. Lord, thankful that we're able to be here in this space together. God, thankful that we're here in Ponderosa Chapel. What a gift. So God, I pray for tonight, even as I communicate from your word, God, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you give me the words to say? God, the words that are straight from the Bible. God, I pray for the men and women sitting in this room, wherever they're at on their journey in in their faith and whether or not they know you or don't know you. God, I pray that they would have a deeper understanding of who you are. God, a deeper love for you. And Lord, ultimately, that you would bring dead sinners back to yourself this week. God, we are thankful for camp. God, we are thankful to be here. Father, be with us tonight. We love you. Amen. Amen. All right, if you guys have your Bibles, open them up to Genesis It is the very, very, very first book of the Bible. Now, very important, listen up. I will stand here as long as I need. Listen up. If you guys do not have your Bibles, if you brought it to camp but forgot to bring it to chapel, let me tell you this right now. Bring it to chapel every single time, because we don't want you guys to just take our word for what we're saying of, oh, I believe all these things. We want you guys to actually be able to open up the Bible and read what it is that we're saying so that you're not just taking our word for it, so that you can see that the creator of the universe says these things. So if you brought your Bible to camp but forgot to bring it to chapel, bring it tomorrow morning and beyond. Now, if you did not bring a Bible to camp, that is okay. We would love to give you guys a Bible to keep forever. And so what I'm going to do in just a minute, I'm going to invite those of you who do not have a Bible, stand up, walk along the sides of the chapel, find the lead counselors in the back. They will give you a Bible and do so quietly and respectfully. If you're in the balcony, there are lead counselors in the back. You do not have to come all the way down. So that's now. Stand on up. Go grab a Bible. For the rest of you, let's open up to Genesis chapter 3. Actually, I'm going to wait because it's going to get loud and that's just silly. this is the best. I love this. I can tell. As you guys get your Bibles, come back down, find your seat. I got a new band, but three years, it's crazy. Okay, good. Mosey on back to your seats, do so. Oh yeah, okay. Who just gave us a little shout? Yes, Balcony, are you with us? Yes, you are not forgotten, Balcony, although you are so far away. Also, this just in, I lost this little piece out of my Bible. It says, delivered and still. Well, I'm going to find where that goes later. You, Troy. Troy, who's Troy? Okay, open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. It is the first book in the entire Bible. When you get there, give me a yip-yip. <laughs> oh, see, I like that. I gave you guys all time to get there. Now, Let me explain our opener just a little bit for you guys because there was a lot of words that were said, a lot of things that happened. So in the very beginning of our opener, our our friend Justin comes out, right? And what does he do? He presents a case of truth. Here we are in this generation where we all just define our own versions of truth. We all have our individual idea of what truth is demonstrated by the little glowing orb that, surprised me, is gone. But in the glowing orb, right, this demonstrates that we all have our own little ideas of what we think truth is. And he says, hey, I'm going to set the stage. Here we are. Here's what we're living in. Here's what's happening. And then that first song plays out where they just go, man, me, myself, and my truth, Right. Is this the only way? Is this contrived, right? You hear this word all the time, spinning my wheels. He told me I could be king. And what is our character there referring to? Well, we then rewind all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible. Why? Because the first attack on truth is the very first question in the Bible. And so in Genesis chapter 3, and you guys saw it unfold, it says this in verse 1, follow along, don't take my word. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And when someone says the word to you in a sentence, actually, or really, you're like, wait a minute, I thought I knew this and now I'm confused. Now I'm second guessing myself, right? And so what does the serpent do? The serpent being more crafty than any other beast, he says, did God actually say that you can't eat of any tree in the garden? And he plants instantly the seed of doubt in Eve's mind. Who knows the command that God has given Adam and Eve? That you shall not eat of any tree in the garden, or that you shall eat of any tree, but not of this one, not of the one of knowledge of good and evil. And it goes on in verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, she reiterates what she knows is true. We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. The serpent says, but the serpent says to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Why does she do this? Why does she choose what's right in the side of her own eyes rather than trust what God has said and established. It says right here, because she chooses what was right in her own eyes. She chooses what she thinks is going to make her wise. She chooses what she thinks is going to make her like God, knowing good and evil. And simply put, this is the very same thing that you and I do today when we know some of us know, some of us don't, and that is okay. But for those of us who know what the word of God says, rather than trusting what God has said and established in his word, we continually time and time and time again choose what is right in the sight of our own eyes rather than submitting what we think we know is best and trusting God's word. So now here we are in a present generation with a bunch of us just choosing what we want to be correct. Choosing what we think will make us wise. Choosing our own versions of truth. We have gotten so far from what God's word actually says. Why? Because we want autonomy. Autonomy is the aim, right? (laughs) Independence. We think that we get to be our own mini-gods. And the reality is that all of us, sit under the sovereign rule and authority of the creator of the universe, whether you believe it or not. Whether you believe that the God of the universe created you, knows you, wants a personal relationship with you, and rules and reigns in your life, it's true. In Psalm 47, it says this. It says, For God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns, Over the nations, he is seated on his holy throne. It is not just that God is king of the universe. It is that he reigns over all of the nations. He is actively involved in his creation. God did not just create and step back and say, good luck. No, God created and is involved in his creation. He reigns over our lives. And so this theme this summer of truth be told, what are we telling this summer? We're telling the truth and not the truth of Hume Lake's words, not the truth of Hume Lake's opinions, but the truth found in God's word. And the sooner you and I can go, God, man, this is difficult at times for me to understand and for me to believe, but I'm going to trust that you are God and I am not. I'm going to trust that maybe, just maybe, you know better. And friend, that is difficult at times, right? Even for myself, even for myself, there are things that at times I read in the Bible and for some context and some background of who I am, I grew up in the Central Coast. Um, I have two brothers. I'm a middle child. I love them. They're the best, you know, middle children. <laughs> We've got some situations, middle children. We've got to work out. Life is not about you. Um, so middle child, two brothers. Now my family, my family, they are not walking with the Lord. They would not call themselves believers. And they all are on this different journey. You know, some of them are just, you know, straight up atheists. Man, I don't even believe that God's real. Some of them are indifferent to who God is. Some of them are like, eh, but if you want to do that, that's cool. But if this person wants to do that, that's also cool. And yet I know and believe from the truth in God's word that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And for those of us who are found in Christ, for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, when we die, we will spend an eternity with God in heaven. But for those of us who have not, we will spend an eternity separated from him in a real place called hell. Why? Because we chose this life that we wanted nothing to do with him, and he's going to grant us that the rest of our lives. You don't want anything to do with me? Great. For the wages of sin is death. And when I read that, I say that to you guys. Why? Because it's a reality found in truth of God's word. And also it's hard for me. Because I think of my, <laughs> I'm so much a teary girl. I think of my family members who do not know the Lord. And I still believe that that's true. I still believe that for those of us who never get to a place where we surrender before the king of the universe. And say, God, you are God and I am not. And I will place my faith in you and I will believe in your name For those of us who do not do that, there's a real place where we will spend forever away from him. And that's difficult. And although it's difficult, I will not ever stray from that truth. I will never stray from that reality. I will not decide on my own, but I want this to be true. So therefore, I'm going to cling to this thing that I made up in my own life. No, we are going to cling to what God has said and established in his word. And I think for you and I in our culture, we have this idea that if we get to define our own versions of truth and we get to just believe whatever we want to believe, we think that we get freedom. We find freedom in that, right? We said in the song, this freedom gives me life. I'll share the song with you guys because it's really good. right? We think that as we go about our day defining our own versions of truth, that that's true freedom. But Jesus says in John 8... That the truth will set you free, right? Because in a world of chaos and pain and brokenness and things that make absolutely no sense, the only thing that can bring clarity and purpose and hope and peace is Jesus Christ. And so that truth will set you free. Flip your Bibles open all the way to John. We are now going to the New Testament. John is the fourth and final gospel. It's about three-quarters of the way through your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I will not tell you how old I am, but I am older, and I still have to tell myself that, so don't ever let anyone tell you that you don't have to say that. Sometimes I have to go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. John, chapter 18. John, chapter 18. When you guys get there, give me a yip-yip. Man, you guys are so engaged. I love it. So as we talk about truth this week, two things that I want to point out to you guys, first and foremost being that the first question asked in the Bible is an attack on truth. It's the serpent approaching Eve saying, did God actually say these things, right? He plants doubt in the mind of Eve, and then she chooses what's right in the side of her own eyes, and that's what you and I do today, right? Right? And in John 18, we see this. This is after Jesus' life. Well, no, it's not after his life. It's after his ministry. He's arrested, so he has not been crucified yet. And eventually this week, by Friday night, we are going to have gone through all the way the whole, through the whole book of John. So I'm just picking up in the end here. After Jesus is arrested, it says in this John 18, 33 through 38, it says this. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did you say this or did others say it to you about me? In other words, Jesus is going, did you get to this conclusion on your own or are you just listening to what everyone else says? And in 35, he says, Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? So very important here, Pilate is... A Roman, right? Jesus is Jewish, and he's going, Jesus, your own people, the own Jews, don't even want you. What could you have possibly have done? And for Rome, all they really cared about was, man, are you going up against our, our um, government? Are you trying to overthrow us? Right? That's what Pilate cares about. So he's going, are you a king? Because if you are, then that threatens me. But if you aren't, what do I care? What did you even do to the Jews? And what did Jesus do? If you look at his life and his ministry, he heals people. He makes blind men see, right? He makes men walk. He forgives sins, and he claims that he is God time and time and time again in the Gospels. Jesus says, I have come in the authority of the Father. I and the Father are one. And that's what makes the Jews mad because the Jews are long awaiting and anticipating a Messiah to come, a Savior, and from the end of the New Testament sorry the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament, you have about 400 years that's happened has passed before Jesus shows up on the scene. And Jesus does not show up as the Jews had thought he would. He shows up in the form of a baby, a little adorable baby, right? And the Jews are going, "Where is our king that was supposed to come and overthrow the Roman rule? Where is that Messiah?" And that's what upsets the Jews that he claims that he is one with God. So Pilate says, what have you done? In 36, Jesus answers, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. And in verse 37, then Pilate says to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Right there, Jesus says, this is why I'm here, to bear witness to what is true. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And in 38, Pilate says to him, what is truth? And if there is anything this past couple of years has shown us as a society and a culture, and I'm sure you guys have even asked this question at some point in in the last two years, if not, I'm sure before, but you're going, what the heck is even true? Would someone just tell me what's actually going on here, right? And this is not a new question for you and I to be asking. We see as the serpent places doubt in Eve's mind and says, did God actually say this? And then Pilate straight to Jesus' face after Jesus says, I come to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth, Jesus in John 14, 6 claims to be the same as truth. Everyone who is of me listens to my voice. Everyone who claims that Jesus Christ and believes who he says he is listens to him. And Pilate responds and he says, what is truth? And so this week... That is the question that you and I are going to try and tackle and understand because it is is critically important. On Saturday, you guys will head down the hill, right? It's crazy. You're like, that's so far away. I assure you, Friday will roll around and be like, how did we get here? It happens every week. I see it all the time. You guys will head down the hill on Saturday. And what's the first question someone's going to ask you guys when you get off of the bus? How was... Camp, interesting. You guys in that moment have a very, very amazingly cool opportunity to rather than just say, ah, camp was fun, I ate my weight in milkshakes and french fries and it was awesome and I won wreck because some of you here will be champions, some of you will not be. And that's okay, that's just the way that it goes. Or you can take a moment and when someone says, man, how was camp? you then get to explain to them the beautiful truth of what you learned at camp. You will have an incredible opportunity, and I encourage you guys to do that. Why? Because at the end of the week, if all we've done is present a lot of things about truth that are accurate or a lot of things about Jesus, and you just leave with a greater head knowledge but not a greater burden for the lost— a greater burden to communicate this truth to a world that desperately needs it, then we have missed it. I don't want you guys to just come and be here and be like, yeah, I'm pumped and I learned a lot of things and I'm so much smarter now, I'm going to carry on my way. No. We are disciples of Jesus Christ, meaning that we now then take this truth that we have learned and received and we share it to a world that so desperately needs it. So this week, here's how it's going to work. For those of you who've been here before, you're like, wow, okay, this is awesome. It looks a little bit different. Where's the pirate ship? (laughs) Ha, duped. There is no pirate ship this year. There's just truth, which is the best. And that was intentional. I want you guys to get that. The reason that we decided, man, how can we strip some of these potential distractions away is so that there is no way that you guys could possibly miss what the Lord is going to do this week at camp. I don't want you guys to be distracted. I want you guys to go, man, if the most important thing that we're talking about is the truth of God's word, then Sarah, put your money where your mouth is and show it. Well, it's here, you guys. We don't have a flashy stage, you can tell. (laughs) Right? We don't have a flashy opener. And it's intentional because I want you guys to care deeply and genuinely about the realities and the truth found in God's word. The last thing I will say, as we talk about this, there are gonna be some difficult topics that come up. There's gonna be moments where you feel like, oh, maybe I'm put a little bit on my heels and I don't like the sound of that and that makes me feel uncomfortable. And so what I want you guys to know, and let's turn over, because again, I don't wanna just have you take my word for it. Flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This theme on truth was not chosen merely because we want to insist on our own way of being right, but it's chosen because it's motivated from a genuine place of love for you guys. 1 Corinthians 13. I think the other thing that we've seen in our world over the past couple of years, which isn't new, I think it was just put under the magnifying glass, is that on a quest to be... On a quest to care deeply and communicate the truth of God's word, I think for some of us in this room, myself included, there have been times where I have found myself communicating truth but without love. And there have been times that I find myself going, don't you understand? Yelling at my brothers. Don't you understand? Right, Like we're just going at it, which is so not helpful. And so, this week, as we talk about some potentially very difficult topics for you guys that will collide and address head on the cultural things that you believe and have bought into as lies from the enemy, and go, man, but here is the truth of God's word, and the light will shine in the darkness. You're gonna feel that. And so, know this right here in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And verse 6, if you look at this, this is why we chose this theme, Because if we genuinely love one another, we are not going to rejoice at wrongdoing. We're not going to rejoice in the fact that, man, we all just get to define our own versions of truth. Because that's not reality. Jesus is the truth love rejoices with the truth. And so from a place that is genuinely motivated and friends, I don't know ya, but I have shed a lot of tears for y'all over the last 10 months. If you know me, my friends, Marilyn, (laughs) Dunker, ooh ooh, you know this is true. I have such a burden (laughs) for you guys to know and to love the God of the universe and that you would then boldly proclaim the truth found in his word and you would not shy away from that because you're afraid of what culture is going to say to you that you would not shy away from that because you're afraid your friends are going to walk away from you Man, I want you guys to get this and I want you to love this because the word of God is not just a list of do's and don'ts and oh make my life less fun because I'm a Christian not at all the truth will set us free. And as we get to engage in and love others and say, would you look at what Jesus has done in my life? Would you look at the, wor- look at the world around us, right? How well is it working out for all of us just to go, ah, oh, this is my truth, that's yours, great. I'm just going to avoid that. I'm going to ignore this. And how well is it working out? Not great. Newsflash, right? And the only thing in First Peter 1, we know this, we have a living hope because we have a living Savior. Jesus did not come live a life that we could never live, die a death that we could never that we deserve to die, and then stay dead. No, Jesus is alive, and He beat death on the third day, and we have a living hope this side of eternity because we have a living Savior. And when the world is chaotic and broken and confused and hurt, we Christ follower get to go, man. Can I tell you about the hope that I have in Jesus Christ? And that's what we're doing this week. Our film looks a little bit different. For those of you who have been with us, we don't have like a massive, you know, it's not like what did we do last year, Western, it's not a Western, that's what I'm trying to say, right? It's not in a specific world, it's done through six different spoken word pieces, and all they are meant to do is address the, com- the misconceptions that you guys may have and I may have about the specific topic that we're going to be teaching through in that chapel session. Your speaker this week, his name is Chris Hilkin. He's the best. We love him. He's a legend. Ooh, ooh, we love Chris. And here's the breakdown for the week. Tomorrow morning is the first time you guys are going to hear from Chris, and our first message is going to be on the truth of God. Who is God, and why should I care? Right, because why would we talk about the truth of his word or the truth of who Jesus' life is if we haven't established who God is? So we're going to talk about God tomorrow morning. Who is he? Why should we care? If he created all things, guess what? He gets to decide how all things work. And then tomorrow night, we're going to be talking about the truth of the scriptures. We're going to look at the word of God. How can we trust it? Is it reliable? Is it relevant? And if so, let's read it. Let's know it. Let's love it. We'll look at Jesus' life. We'll look at his teaching. Who is Jesus what did he teach? Who did he claim to be? And what are we going to do with him? We're going to look at the reality of our sin, right? That all of us are dead in our sin and trespasses. There's nothing that you and I can do to make ourselves right before God. Only the person and work of Jesus Christ can do that. So we're going to talk about that. What does that mean to be dead in our sin? For some of us, it's going to be really uncomfortable because you are like, are you telling me that I'm a sinner? I am. Guess what? You're not alone. We all are. On Thursday night, we're going to be talking about the beautiful grace and mercy that the good news of Jesus extends to us. This is who Jesus is. This is what he came for. This is why. And on Friday night, finally, we're going to go, if all of these things are true, if God is who he says he is, if the Bible is reliable... If Jesus is true and if he's a real man who came and did these real things to live the life that we could not and die the death that we deserve and raise again from the dead so that we could be restored to the Father, now what? Because you guys, and I said it earlier, you go home on Saturday and Hume Lake is not a place that is meant for you guys to come, learn a lot of things about God and then be like, bye, see you in a year. Nope. You guys will learn these things and go, then what do I do with this? How shall I live if all of this is true? I am pumped for this week. And let me ask you guys this. I know that there is like a wide range of people in this room. You probably have those who are like, yeah, I'm pumped. I love the Lord, I always have, I always will. Nothing can separate me from the love of God, amen. Life's gonna get hard, you better better believe it. (laughs) Then you have the full opposite side of the spectrum who's like, wait a minute. I didn't know I was at a Christian camp until I saw this Bible. Welcome. We are so glad you are here. Then there are those of you who are maybe apathetic, right? You've been following the Lord your whole life, but you're like, but I just have always kind of been on the sidelines doing the bare minimum. I show up to church. I show up to youth group. I've never talked about my faith, though. And so for, any, for all of us who are on just this spectrum of our different walks with the Lord... Can I just ask that you guys would have open minds that every time you come into this chapel that you would go, what is, what is it that the Lord wants to show me? Whether or not you know him. Whether or not this week for you is just a, an academic thing that you want to be here to go, man, what do Christians believe? That's awesome. Just be here and be open and be willing to listen to what God has for you this week. Can you promise me that? Good. Let me pray for us and then I'll give us some direction. God, we thank you, and we love you. God, I'm so excited for this week, and I get fired up. Lord, as I'm thinking about just another group of students sitting here in this chapel, Lord, hearing your word taught, God, being transformed by the power of your spirit, God, we ask that you would do a mighty work this week. Lord, I ask for... Everyone who is sitting in this space, Lord, is maybe already uncomfortable. God, I'm so glad that they're here. God, would you allow this space to be safe, that we can talk about hard things, difficult things, and yet, God, that we would know that we are loved. So, Father, would you help us at Hume Lake to communicate truth and love for our counselors and our youth pastors in order to communicate things to our students. God, I am so excited for what you have in store this week. Lord, use us. God, use the teaching of your word as we know that we will. Father, we love you and praise you. in your name. Amen.